Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, ABCDEF1 full season edition. Yes, we did mid-season. We filled that gap, and now we're going to fill the Christmas gap with our full ABCDEF1 driver rating video. So this is essentially where we go from 20th, Nicholas Latifi, all the way to first. <laughs> Uh, big shout out to TuneFix2, who has put together all these stats uh, from our podcast and has done so for quite a few years, to be fair. So big shout out to them. Thank you so much. Uh, and before we get into it, as always, in our podcasts, we have a five star review that we want to read out. And this one's from Marnavi in the United States of America. Why, Tommy, do you write it like that? Why can't you just put the USA? Anyway, they said, <laughs> love, love, love this show. This is one of the only podcasts that I actually regularly check for new episodes. I'm pretty sure you can get a notification button or something that might help you. But thank you very much for checking anyway. I'm a relatively new F1 fan and this podcast has taught me so much about this sport. Don't know how it's done that with all the washed opinions we have. Matt, Katie and Tommy. They didn't say that part. Matt, Katie and Tommy are super fun and I can listen to them for hours on end. Great job, guys. And eagerly waiting for the 2023 content. That make that makes my heart very warm. Thank you so much. Martin V. Now, I don't know if you've written it like that, Tommy, so that I pronounce it that way. Or is that actually their name with the dashes as well? That's how it was written. Okay, perfect. As, well, as was United then. States of America. So. <laughs> oh, little snap back there. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Look, Tommy's sassy. It's the end of the year. He's tired. I like it. We are also live streaming on Twitch, and I've just seen the the, the amount raised. Uh, so we are doing a shoey every £500 that are raised. And we've been streaming for a, a short while, uh, and we are nearly at our second shoey. We need £10 in order for that to happen. And I thought, look, we'll do it on the podcast because we're not going to cut that content out. People want to see it. We're raising money for just, uh, sorry, for, for on just giving. Uh, for Blood Cancer UK. Uh, it was a very close cause uh, for us. Tommy, you've got someone that's close to you, your uncle that's just been recently diagnosed with, with blood cancer and also uh, Glenn who works on uh, with our sister company, The Race, uh, and he has also experienced um, uh, this this very difficult time and, and thankfully due to the, the, the charity, they've been able to uh, help and save a lot of people. So we're raising money for, for them. And uh, if I refresh it right now, is it a thousand? It's a thousand and three. A thousand and three pounds. Right. Who does the shoey? And can I also add in that lovely Glenn, who you would have seen at the beginning in the video, has actually put in our Slack chat the amount of money that the stream is raising is already incredible, and like a little smile with a tear. Aww. So it really does mean a lot to um, to Glenn awesome. and all of us at the Race Media. It's yeah, an amazing amount you. of money. Yeah, um, it's amazing. You know, such a tightly little knit community that we have and you guys watching is uh, it's very very special so thank you right so i put the poll up one minute poll go and vote that's incredible you've gone from having eight percent of the vote tommy to 57 the first this vote i was happens. nowhere you should never trust twitch chat no <laughs> right i'll go get um wow we're an issue oh it's just froth it's just froth yeah oh we can it's okay, froth <laughs> a big lump of knobs has got the juice it's a got big the juice I can't oh. imagine a wonderful mm. thing. Oh, that looks yummy. Mmm. Yeah. Sebastian Vettelfoot juice. A, B, C, D, E, F1 driver rating. 
Is that, that play? Saucy. I yeah, like it. it yeah. It short, sweet. Just short, sweet, to the point. Short, sweet. Could tell he didn't want to do any more than that. And uh, <laughs> well, thanks so much, Tommy, for taking part. That was. Um, uh, I feel like uh, we are live on Twitch, and I think they'll be asking for the full song of that. And I feel like it's like cop out. What do you think, Katie? Oh well. <laughs> joking. It was great. I think it was okay. It was great, but I just wanted Next more. Next time you have That's to do a, a remix version of it. A remix. Keep... I'll remix good. it for you. Okay. That'll be will. my contribution. Okay, let's start from P20, shall we? Uh, it will come to mm. absolutely no one's surprise to know that the GOAT, Nicholas Latifi, slots in in P20. This man achieved eight Fs, six Es, four Ds, two Cs, one B, zero A, and one A star from Japan on his way to P20. Of course, Japan, how can we forget? What an incredible performance from him in the wet. And I'm not even being sarcastic. I don't know where that Nicholas Latifi went or where he came from, um, but he was consistent, consistently bad through most of the season. Oh, I mean, it's not well, I'm a sorry, lie. I'm sorry, if we can say this for 20th, <laughs> when can we? It's true, but he does love his Nutella. Oh and I feel like I had God. to get that in one last <laughs> time. Um, but yeah, it wasn't Latifi's season. Has it ever been Latifi's season? Mm, no, but um, it was still... <laughs> oh, I'm going to be nice also, Katie. <laughs> yeah, at least it's literally like the Bart Simpson cake thing of like, at least you tried. He seems like a lovely lad, but as we all know, nice guys finish last. Um, wow, and boy I wish did he finish last. The, I wish him all the best in his next adventure as CEO of Nutella um, or whatever <laughs> else he's going to do, maybe IndyCar, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah. Well done on being lovely. A few that's, that is one of the most that's sarcastic. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm not being sarcastic because really, he does no, seem you, nice. I know he's lovely, but it's just the way it was delivered. Uh, chat is actually properly popping off at the fact that he only got eight Fs. Let's just let's just you know like basically clarify that Fs mean an absolutely hor horrible performance. Yeah, we're talking two laps down kind of vibe. Um, yeah, she did a fair bit. So yeah. Just, was you, I, can't, you I can't get in focus. TV or what was going on there? Oh, there we go. Yeah, you're a bit... Hey! Oh, Wonderful. That's Sorry. okay. Sorry, audio listeners. Yeah, Latifi, Latifi's last few grades of what will be his F1 career since Belgium were F, 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 A star, E, F, F, and E. Um, so, yeah, I think it got to the point where we were just fed up of him just being pretty poor, to be honest, and... Uh, it's, a, it's a shame because, yeah, I mean, his confidence was shot after last season. Um, and I'd argue he was worse than he, the, you know, he's ever been uh, this season and never really recovered. Um, he was actually so far clear in 20th that if his last, I think, four grades had been A stars, he'd have still finished 20th. That's how um that's how bad it oh, was. Baba. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense when I look at nineteenth who had zero Fs. Yeah. Uh, so I can <laughs> see why uh yeah, it's not gone well, has it? Uh, did you say oh bubba, by the way? Have I just Yeah, no, Casey's in a she's put those antlers on and she's just <laughs> He's not had a shoe yet. I know. She's not. I've only had two. Oh gosh. Yes, we've we've done two shoeys so far in this uh, live stream we're doing on Twitch, raising money for blood cancer UK. Third one soon to come, and we're hoping it's going to be Katie because I've done one and Tommy has also done one. Right, twentieth is done and dusted. I don't think there's any kind of like regrets there. 
it was absolutely necessary. We move on to 19th. And in that place, unfortunately for him, I think he was there in the mid-season as well, is Mick Schumacher, P19. Zero Fs, which I find hard to believe. Five E's, seven D, five C, three B, one A, and one A star, which was Austria. How did he not get an F? Sorry. That's crazy. Like, he literally didn't race in Saudi because he'd smashed his car up. Yeah, I'm really surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't get an F for the amount of times that he obliterated his car. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's the Schumacher name. I didn't want to give it. I was like, no, he. <laughs> yeah, e there's some do. Matt influence there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you need to give Casey's it an F, and you're like, as well. probably a C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look, you know, he's not the one that's rebuilding the car, is he? I mean, come on, like, geez. yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe we were a little bit lenient, but still, he finished nineteenth and would have stayed nineteenth even if he had an extra F. So, uh, yeah, Mick. You know, he's lost his seat. He's going to Mercedes Reserve next year, which I think is quite a good move for him personally. Uh, it'll allow him to at least learn from, you know, a very, well, I was going to say he was with Ferrari previously, but it seemed like that relationship wasn't particularly uh, good or efficient uh, between the two of them. Whereas, you know, he's following his dad's footsteps kind of thing, going to Mercedes, and I'm sure they will try and nurture him where they can, uh, whether he'll be able to get a seat It'll be kind of like a Stoffel Van Dorn kind of vibe. Mm. We will uh, we'll wait and see. But I think, yeah, Mick will struggle to get back on the grid, at least in a car that isn't the slowest. Yeah, um, not a great season for Mick. There was a lot of thought that, you know, it might be... It's his second season. He needs a season to warm up um, was the big thing that a lot of people said ahead of the season. And it's like something that's happened in his career a lot. Um, but it just didn't really happen. And it wasn't like... It wasn't like Haas were the same position as what they were last year, where they literally couldn't do anything. Um, there were chances, and it went. It was a long way into the season. I can't remember exactly when he scored his first point. Was it Austria or was it Silverstone? Silverstone. Silverstone. Yeah, um, where he hadn't scored a point yet, uh, and looking at what you know Kevin Magnussen had done in that Haas when he'd put it. You know, he was running up in like fifth or whatever in Bahrain. Like Mick should have got a point at the start of the, the season and and didn't. And uh, yeah, uh, it's a shame, but I think 19th is fair. Yeah, I think this is the right place for Mick. Actually thinking about it, it is nice that every driver on the grid so far, well, like on the grid just generally in 2022, I think everybody had a good moment. Like obviously, Latifi in Japan, Mick also got those points in Silverstone. It was really competitive in the Austrian sprint. Um, and that's why he got his A star from the Austria weekend. Um, so there were some highs, but as you sort of said, like a lot of lows and a lot of expensive crashes. Um, he did unfortunately also have quite a few shunts last season. Um, but with Mazepin as his teammate, I think Mazepin took a lot of the heat off of him. Um, so it's not like he's just come into these new regulations and he, you know, hasn't got to grips with the car and keeps crashing it. Cause we had seen some of that in 2021 as well. Um, but yeah, I think that unfortunately he just didn't do enough to, to warrant his, his has seat being left for him. Um, and yeah, wish him all the best at Mercedes. Absolutely. You know, has said that they can't afford to learn with a driver they need a driver that can just be slotted in and make the most of the car and Mick you know just isn't at that stage of his career where you can rely on him to just hit the ground running and 
and not have that sort of learning period. Um, so yeah, Mick wasn't the best fit for Haas, who are a struggling team that needs to score as many points as possible, hence why they've gone for Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, and we'll see what the future holds for Mick Schumacher. In 18th position, Daniel Ricciardo. He had two Fs in USA and Brazil, two Es, five Ds, five Cs, five Bs, three As, zero A-stars. So, Katie, you were saying about big moments that they've had, you know, big standout moments. Danny Rick. Mexico, baby. Yeah, I think Danny Rick's was Mexico, but he didn't quite get that A-star because he punted Yuki, didn't he? Otherwise, yeah. he probably would have got the A-star. But Because, mm. yeah, I th- yeah, I feel like, you know. Strong Singapore as well. That Strat in Mexico. I, I don't want to. I want to hate too much. No, but it, 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 it did. Yeah. Fl- I mean, the fact that Danny Rick was flying through the field, you knew something was up. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those. Like, okay, that strategy real good, huh? And that's why that's why George Russell should have done the same strategy because he might have won, but he did not. Uh, George sixty three Russell was in the chat as well. Hello, uh, live on Twitch. Um, not probably the real George, but Danny Rick eighteenth, eighteenth. How times have changed, eh? I mean, it's we can't depressing. be surprised, can we? I mean, the the bottom three in our ABCDEF1 rankings have all lost their seat. So that's so true. We, wow. People say we're washed and we don't know anything. Take a look at our ratings, huh? <laughs> no, but I mean, if you think about a few years ago when Daniel Ricciardo was at Red Bull, well, he still is now, if you want to be like that, but um, he was making the decision whether he should stay, whether he should go. It's not really worked out well for him, has it? Like, you know, obviously his Renault days, there are two podiums in there and then went to McLaren and thought, oh, this could be it. But it's just not really worked out for him. I'm really glad that he's actually going to take a sabbatical in theory. Um, He's, I think, second on the list of all, like the amount of consecutive race starts that any driver has had. The only driver that had more was Hamilton and that had to come to an end when he got COVID and had to miss the race at Sakir. So... The guy's been racing consistently in F1 since 2011. And maybe, yeah, he's kind of just thought, I need some time away. Everybody is allowed to take some time for their mental health, even athletes at the top of their game. Um, And so I hope that this time back at home maybe gives him a chance for some reflection. He might decide, actually, I I do want to stay away. I don't want to come back. Or he might do an Alonso and realise that from that time away, this is what he needs to do differently. This is what he can improve on. And he'll come back in 24 and he'll be the honey badger we all know and love. But yeah, for now, not the season. Any fan, I think I can say any F1 fan really wanted to see him have because everybody's got a piece of their heart is that is especially reserved for Daniel Ricciardo. So this is a tough one, but that's how it is. It's a competition at the end of the day. Yeah, it's shocking, shocking year for, for Danny Rick. I mean, he had... The going back to the last season, uh, before this one, he didn't put in particularly great performances and then had that win at Monza. But then you were still like, that was kind of a dare I say, a bit of a you know, he was in the right place at the right time. He still obviously did brilliantly to get that win, but um, there was no other real standout performances. And you went into the season thinking, right, this is where he really needs to step up now and at least be on the pace for Lando. But couldn't have really gone any worse for him. Um, And it's going to be fascinating really next year to see uh, Piastri in that McLaren and and we'll get a bit more of an idea of, you know, 
was it Lando being brilliant? Was it Daniel Ricciardo being terrible? How good really is the McLaren? Um, we'll find out. But yeah, a poor, a very poor year from Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, Piastri's not going to have a Danny Rick year. You can clip me up and store it in your locker. Oscar Piastri will not be as bad as what Danny Rick was this year in comparison to his teammate. That's uh, that's my opinion anyway. Okay, in 17th position, Tommy, close your ears. Yuki Sonoda. Oh. Yeah, not a, not a great season for Yuki. I think that some of it he was hamstrung by what the Alpha Tauri could actually do uh, on a on race weekends as Tommy peers over to look at something uh, just to make sure that the results are indeed accurate. Maybe, maybe that's what he was trying to work out. Uh, But Yuki had zero Fs, four E's. I don't know. How the hell did he have zero Fs when he was two laps down in Hungary? What is wrong with us? Like he was three light years behind everyone else. And we've got a zero. What is wrong? Tommy, did you influence this? I reckon I did. It was good in qualifying. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably, probably beat Gasly qualifying, e. and I was like, hey, stop. So you got zero Fs, four Es, five Ds, three Cs, seven Bs, two As, and no A-stars. Um, thing is, right, I don't think 17th really does it justice as to, comparatively to his teammate, I don't think he was that bad. Uh, so I feel like 17th is a bit harsh overall. It's a weird one because I think he's just too inconsistent. That's his problem. I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, when we did the mid-season ones, he didn't get a single C we were talking about uh, from from what I remember. That rings a bell. Yeah, that he, he only got Bs where we're like, oh, actually, Yuki's doing a lot better. And then he'd have an absolute stinker of a race where we'd give him a D or an E. Um, and yeah, I mean, for a midfield driver, um, you know, we, we give out a lot of Cs to the midfield because a lot of the time, you know, you don't see them one bit um and it's sometimes quite hard to to grade them so for for a driver in the midfield to only get three c's and have a lot more b's and d's and e's than just kind of a average grade i think that's yuki's problem is he's not he's not consistent he's he's been a lot closer to gasly which is just a shame because the car's not been there so you can't really when he has been better than gasly it's like oh he's finished 12 whereas if he'd been quicker than Gasly last year, he'd be getting like sixes and sevenths, and we'd probably be giving him a lot higher grades. So, um, but he just still has those odd moments, doesn't he? As much as it pains me to say it, where he'll just like like a hungry or or whatever, where he just does something a bit a bit silly. Well, like so, yeah. Silverstone is a prime example. Like I was sat in the grandstands watching this when the two Alpha Tauris came together and collected each other, and you could see that was going to happen from a mile away. And Yuki got the blame for that one. So, yeah, it's a difficult one because the car hasn't been up to the standard that I think a lot of fans really hope for this year because there was so much potential last year um, and it's just not really worked itself out in the new regulations. But like you say, Tommy, it's been a very inconsistent season for him. Um, and, yeah, I guess if I was to point out like where I think he'd be, I'd probably put like 15th, 16th, but... Once we go through the others, I'm sure actually 17th will make itself like it make more sense that he's there. So it's pretty close between, to be fair, between like 17th to 14th that a few okay. grades here and there would would change things. So I think that's probably um, why uh, he's down in 17th. But yeah, it's the inconsistency that's hurt him. In 16th, 
Lance Stroll. He had one F in the USA, two E's, four D's, eight C's, five B's, one A and one A star at Singapore. It it, it was a season for Lance Stroll, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's about as far as I can go. Yeah, uh, when he it comes drove to... a car. He drove a car. His dad owns the team. He's really not sh- like at least before he had moments of. Yeah, like podiums, what, what people poles, could argue was brilliant. Yeah. You know, he did have the odd podium and, as you say, pole position at Turkey and and what like that stuff like that. When you go, oh, okay, Lance is actually really good, and I'm sure he is. I just don't feel like he has the 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 sort of fire within him to actually yeah. take that next step. And fair enough, I think we've said this before. Like, fair enough, he doesn't feel that way because at the end of the day, his seat is never at risk whilst his dad owns the team. So there isn't that need to go that extra few percent. He can just turn up to a Grand Prix race, do a mediocre job, and turn up next re- next race next year. Uh, so. Yeah, it was a very mediocre season. Actually, probably below below mediocre for for Lance Stroll, really, because we know that there is potential there. It just just wasn't really shown. Well, as as I've said, and I'll try and give an example every single time. But my moment of the season for Lance Stroll was that start at the Japanese Grand Prix. Honestly, I still think about that now. The fact that he spotted the dry line down the right-hand side there and then absolutely floored it and made up like a gazillion positions officially. Um, But it was an amazing bit of like actual common sense and like proper racecraft from Lance. So like you say, the potential is there. And with Singapore, the race beforehand, he got sixth place there, which is why he got the A star. And that's like a really good result. I mean, if we had Sebastian Vettel coming in sixth, we'd probably be like rolling out a red carpet, fanfares, you know, party poppers, all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad that, you know, Lance did get a chance to get a good result. But then he also has moments where he's a bit of a dum-dum. USA, perfect example. Uh, We're using dum-dum as an official piece of vocabulary for this. Um, And then same in Brazil when he managed to push Seb off the track. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like this has maybe been... How how was his season last year? Because I feel like these two years at Aston Martin have probably been his weakest even Fairly aside similar, from like the random podium here and there when he was at Racing Point, but yeah, he's always been about bottom of the midfield kind of in our in our ratings. Because again, I think he's one that maybe has a bit of inconsistency where sometimes it'll be a bit. <laughs> I, I feel like Lance Stroll more than ever this year has either done something really stupid and been a bit rubbish, and he'll get a really low grade, or and also his qualifying has been abysmal and then out of nowhere it gets to the final lap and he's eighth and you're like what what is going on and um that's kind of happened at, at the end of the season i mean looking at those races you mentioned uh i mean monsery got a d then in the next race he got an a star at singapore japan he did that great start and got a c and in the next race in america he got an f so he's flip-flopping all over the place and, and i think that is part of it that we, we might never see that relentless consistency that we see from the top drivers and, and better drivers because at the end of the day, you can yeet Fernando Alonso into a barrier and do something really stupid. And it's like, oh, no, anyway, he's my teammate next year. Um, and it's all good because my dad's never going to fire me. Exactly. Yeah. His, his, his defensive driving and general awareness this year 
was absolutely diabolical. Uh, like it was just a genuine. It feels forever ago now that it was this year, wasn't it, where we had the discussion about the whole mirrors thing, where because he was getting a lot. Was of... that last year with Brazil? No, I think it was this. Was this I think year? it was it was this year in Saudi because he got. Yeah, it was Albon. Albon got a penalty, yeah, yeah. and it's like mm, uh, well, it while people dive bomb on him, he does still kind of go. I'm not even. Gonna... It's like. AI in a, a racing game where you never leave the racing line and you, you have to have a little bit of awareness of you can't just turn into a corner and pretend someone's not there. So, um, yeah, not good. Australia with Latifi as well, chat I've been saying. So, um... yeah, oh, of course. God, oh that feels gosh, forever yeah. ago. Doesn't yeah. it? When those two collided. It's like, oh. yeah, mad. Feels like a different year that does, but that uh, does. <laughs> thank you, chat, for getting involved with that. But yeah, Lance Stroll just, yeah, not great. Uh, and you know for a fact Alonso is blowing up so much more if he wasn't teammates uh, with him next year over USA. In 15th position, we have Kevin Magnuson. He managed to tot up zero Fs, two E's, seven D's, five C's, four B's, three A's, and one A star in Bahrain. K Mag season. I mean, I was going to say a tale of two halves, but I don't think it quite splits down the middle in terms of good and bad. The start was incredible. K-Mag rocking up off of his sofa, basically, and just banging in great results in a car that Haas had produced, which was really good. But of course, they couldn't upgrade anything because they had about three pennies left in the bank. Um, But he was great at the start of the year. We were all gassing him up. But then when you look at his grades, he's He's got seven D's and two E's in there. And that's a lot of D's. I think that might be the most D's of any driver. Uh, that's including Sorry. Nicholas Latifi there. Yeah, D's. Oh, no, actually, no, to be fair, Mick Schumacher also had seven D's. So both Haas drivers had seven D's. Are you right there, Katie? Um, <laughs> I'm absolutely it's fine. Literally, it's keep Katie, it's literally like a try not to laugh challenge for <laughs> Katie every time <laughs> the D grade's mentioned. I promise I am grown up. Um, so, yeah, so K-Mag... <laughs> <laughs> Am I surprised to see him in 15th? Yes, probably after if you, you know, when we were at the first half of the season, but just Haas, just with a car that wasn't very good, couldn't produce any results, so didn't deserve anything higher than a C or a D. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Magnuson, is there anything more Kevin Magnuson than him finishing as the 15th best driver when he got a pole position in a Haas? and also had that unbelievable race at the start of the season. Um, It just shows, again, uh, his inconsistency uh, as a driver. Um, Unbelievable highs, like the the pole position, like I said, and that race in Bahrain, but collecting meatball flags like crazy during the season and just having those moments, particularly at the start of the year, I think, um, for me, was the most... Where, where they needed to get as many points as they could when that car was good. And why why Magnussen needed to race. I know, you know, I, I love drivers like him, um, but from taking away the kind of enjoyment as a fan and what Haas actually want, why he needs to, you know, be going wheel to wheel with Lewis Hamilton when he's definitely not going to be <laughs> racing him in the race and just pick up eighth, ninth, seventh or whatever and just bag some solid points. Um, and that's unfortunately what Magnussen didn't do enough. Uh, and Haas really should have finished higher in the constructors. And while Mick was 
deservedly 19th and not good it's not all mick i just i don't i don't think either driver um got got enough points that they should do um and i think if you'd have gone in that first race and told me that kevin magnuson would be voting him the 15th best driver of the year i think we'd all be shocked because it was like wow what a comeback magnuson you know driver of the day in the first race unbelievable scenes but just too inconsistent yeah it is a real shame like looking at the season as a whole those first well four out the first four races three out of those he got points you know back-to-back points in Bahrain and Saudi Bahrain getting that fifth place Saudi in ninth place Australia got 14th some for some reason Australia and Haas always seems to be a really unfortunate combination and then we went to Imola and he qualified really well and then that kind of got pushed back a bit with the sprint but still managed to finish ninth in the race and you think oh my goodness like this is great we've got K Mag who's just on absolute fire because he's been thrown into this situation last minute and he's just thriving off of it and this is amazing and then sort of reality setting (laughs) and like you say with Miami it's like 16th Spain 17th Monaco and Azerbaijan retirement retirement Canada 17th there are a few more little um, chances where he got points Silverstone in Austria just like Mick did but like you say it started off at such a strong like way at the start of the season and it kind of just fell apart a bit Um, and I don't know if I would put him 15th on the list I mean he finished 13th overall in the season so maybe I'd push him a little bit higher because of that Um, but I don't know perhaps that initial excitement and I don't know like willingness to really push himself to the absolute limit and make the most of the opportunity just begun to war off just as you kind of would expect it to I don't know it's kind of like I know when you start a new job or something and you're really super eager to like do everything you're helping make all of the teas at the start of the day and you're like oh does anybody want me to get something when I go out for lunch or whatever and you're like super keen and then by week four you're like Oh, um, can somebody make me a cuppa? You know, that kind of thing. Or is, is that, that just me? What you're trust you, trust you to Mag. turn it about tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> KT loves tea. Um, and also, are you suggesting that K-Mag is turning up after four races and going, you know what, the motivation has waned now. Um, I'm just, I just, I'm just here for the paycheck. I'm here for a cup of tea. Or he got too big for his boots, which is what we were saying about with Hamilton and the whole like, well, have you seen my results, Lewis? I'm going to try and fight you around this corner. Oh, no, we crashed. I think it was just K-Mag, isn't it? That's it's just, just K-Mag being K-Mag. Yeah, he's just... Um, I love him for just... it, though. I think it's funny. Carreze. But... Absolutely. There you go, then. K-Mag, P15. Congratulations, kind of. 14th <laughs> goes to Zhou Guan Yu. Zero Fs, one E, four Ds, 12 Cs, one B, four As, no A stars. I felt like Zhou Guan Yu didn't finish half the season, to be honest with you, with the amount of uh, reliability problems he had and and whatnot. But he did have his moments of of brilliance. He had his moments of out-qualifying Bottas, which then made him as good as Lewis Hamilton, if you really you know, kind of get the comparisons out. Because uh, Bottas is a, is, a, is a wonderful qualifier. Um, so... Yeah, I think Joe Guan Yu, decent. 
uh, it would have been nice to have seen how much better he could have done in the drivers' championship and whatnot if uh, if he'd actually finished races or not had things go on with his car, which meant he was then thirty seconds off the back of the field or terrible starts because it made him lose five positions because something didn't go into the right setting. Which I'm still convinced maybe sometimes it was just him being a rookie and pressing the wrong thing or whatever because you know you never know. Like it might it might be a there are many buttons on a steering wheel. He could easily have just been done a Latifi and just buttons. turned right down the uh, down the wrong uh, down the wrong layout at Japan. Maybe more, maybe less. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. And you can do the whole thing, or no? I don't know. That's about as much <laughs> as I know. Uh, but yeah, of course, he's. Uh, I'd say he deserved to not lose his seat, but at the same time, I think he needs to show that those ounces of potential that we saw more often next year. Yeah, I really. I'm glad that Joe has been able to silence a lot of criticism that he got when he was announced at that Alfa Romeo team. I know actually, Tommy, you did a tweet or something saying he's not, it's not like he's, what did you say? Like driving a bin lorry or something. And he'd like to. Yeah. People just, people acted like he literally hadn't done F2 and was just a pay driver where they just picked someone off the street and gone, <laughs> you've got loads of money, drive a Formula One car um, and not, not actually a formula two race winner people just like really did hammer that whole uh pay driver grade yeah uh, on on him so i'm glad in many ways that he was able to silence a lot of people and that we've actually been able to see his personality come out a lot more this year um and his sense of fashion i'm i don't know if that's like just a girly thing to say but that man has got some insane drip some drip so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> serious um trip. serious trip um but yeah unfortunately he had a car underneath him which was like just unbelievably unreliable it was crazy you know like you say if he wasn't um conking out at the side of the racetrack there was something wrong with the gearbox or they were having real difficulties at the start getting their starts red like ready and good and things like that so He's been hampered with a lot of technical problems with his machine, but generally, I think not a bad rookie year. Points on debut can never go a damn as a bad thing either. So, yeah, I think season. those points points on debut showed that when his car was actually working at the start of the season, he could get decent results. Unfortunately, just more often than not, when the when that alpha was good, it was just terrible like his car just broke down all the time like like you when were the alpha that. was good it was terrible well, terrible reliability <laughs> sorry um and yeah if you look at his season i think the perfect way to describe it is just solid like he wasn't the best rookie we've ever seen in formula one but if you compare him to the rookies that we had last year who were smashing up the car a lot and that pains me to say as a yuki fanboy but you know mick mazepin and Yuki um he's done what he needed to do in terms of just getting good finishes and staying out of trouble and just proving that he deserves to be in Formula One which I I think he absolutely did and yeah deserves to be uh, in F1 next year and I just hope Alpha deliver a, a better car so he can see a bit more of what he can do yes and a more reliable car at that as well that would be lovely wouldn't it okay 13th position goes to Pierre Gasly 
not where he probably wanted to finish in the ABCDF1 driver ratings. And probably, I'm going to just say on a whim, the driver to have gone the furthest down since last year in terms of ratings and gradings that we've given, and partly because of uh, the car, uh, but partly also because maybe Gasly just didn't have as good of a season. Uh, But he totted up zero Fs, one E, six Ds, eight Cs, three Bs, two As, and two A stars, which were at Baku and Belgium. I just felt like it was a very anonymous season from Gasly compared to 2021, where he was the front and center of incredible in qualifying. Yes, AlphaTauri did some stupid strategies, which ruined his race last year and whatnot. But but this year, yeah, just, I don't know. It just seemed like it went off the boil a bit. Of course, AlphaTauri literally finished ninth, did they not? Like yeah, that is shocking. Absolutely shocking. It, I was shaking your head. I was like, "Am I right? sorry?" <laughs> I was just, I was, just, I was shaking my head of disappointment, and then I realised that the river in this podcast. I swear <laughs> to God, like he's saying all kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be fair, to finish thirteenth in the ABCDF one driver ratings, but ninth in the constructors, he's done well. Well done, Pierre. For I think he should be lower than this. Yeah, I'm surprised he's this high up. To be fair, I mean, it's one of those things where I guess you can argue that when the car was good. Uh, to be honest, this may be wrong, but I feel like Alpha Tauri only really had one race where that car was any good, and it was Baku. And Gasly delivered, Sonoda delivered until his uh, rear wing decided to uh, just disintegrate. Mm. So um, a lot of it comes down to to the car. But I think the reason Gasly uh, is low down on the list as well um, is that after Yuki, I, I feel like Yuki more often than not was was beating him in, in qualifying more than I a lot more than I expected. Um and it feels like at the end of the year, Gasly, who was so good in qualifying, ended up just um yeah, he ended up just being terrible and constantly going out in Q1. We gave Gasly an A star for a pit lane start spa and finished ninth. I feel like I don't know, maybe we were a little bit <laughs> I don't know. Is that maybe it was so long since a good result? We were like, like, give him an A star. Yeah, that's probably me. To be fair, um, yeah, I (laughs) thought if I was going to put Pierre, this is what's so stupid. If if I was going to put Pierre anyway, it's literally based on our results. So, um, but I think he should probably be like fifteenth or something. I would push him way back. Um, and Matt, you kind of said that, um, Pierre had a bit of an, an anonymous season, but the one place that he wasn't anonymous was in the stewards' office as he picked up 10 penalty points this year, which has happened before, um, but is the most that people have got in a pretty long time. Um, so take that like with maybe a pinch I, of that's salt. That's another or... reason why he should be lower, I think, actually. Yeah. I, for, I kind of forgot about that because he's he's really tried to push the whole narrative of like, Penalty points are terrible. It's like don't get them then. Well, like stop Hamilton having didn't get any. silly. Carlos Sainz didn't get any. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't. I don't understand why. I don't understand why now Gasly's on ten and really close to a race ban. There's all this talk of like, should the penalty point system change? It's like no. The whole point is you get banned if you keep doing mm. things like that. Like don't don't implement that system if you're just going to change it as soon as someone gets near a race ban. And his penalty but, points don't expire for a little while as well. A long time. So uh, he's got to go a long way before he... And we then wonder, will they actually execute um, a a race ban and will they give lenient points from here until May? We will have to wait and see. 
penalized him in I want to say it's maybe it was Mexico or somewhere and I think it was like Alex Albon had previously had the same offense and got two penalty points but he only got one for it I'm not trying to say that there's a conspiracy there but I'm just saying it wasn't consistent there's a conspiracy, with the... <laughs> there's a conspiracy. Yeah. but I think they'll be careful not to give him one interesting stuff okay. so yeah Pierre Gasly not a good season uh, for him. Yes, uh, we did wonder if he was going to just tot up another couple and miss Abu Dhabi, didn't we? But he did not execute that plan either. So uh, there you go. 13th for Pierre Gasly. In 12th position, Alex Albon. He uh, got the grades of 0Fs, 1E, 4Ds, 6Cs, 7Bs, 1A and 2A stars in Australia and Spa. I felt like Alex Albon had a, a pretty decent season considering he was in a Williams um, he had some standout performances, as as mentioned in those grades in Australia and Spa. And um, you have to wonder whether he would have got another A star at, at Monza, considering what De Vries was able to do in his car and when he was unwell. But yeah, I think it's it's difficult to obviously really judge Alex Albon's performances and how good they are. But when he has a teammate like Nicholas Latifi, unfortunately, I know it's Latifi slander, and I'm sorry, Nutella, etc. But he. Um, it is hard to compare because we know that Latifi is not on the level of Alex Albon. So, but, you know, that aside, Alex had some very good races and I think he's slowly but surely sort of building back up that reputation that he is a decent midfield runner and deserves a better seat than Williams. Um, and I hope for his sake that he can build upon it next year. I'm still, I'm still a bit hesitant. I, I don't think Williams will be any good next year either personally, but we'll see. I'm really proud of Alex this year. I mean, I was certainly somebody criticizing him fairly when he was coming to the end of his time at Red Bull. Um, and we sort of knew that that seat might be up for grabs um, and eventually Perez took it. Um, so to take a year out is never an easy thing anyway. But then to come back with a team, which everybody sort of says, oh, Williams at the back, you know, they're rubbish, all this kind of thing. But to make your comeback and actually have a successful comeback and some of his performances and Williams performances this year, I was really, really impressed by. I mean, we gave him an A star for Australia. The man did seemingly the impossible by going the entire race distance, apart from the last lap where he had to take a mandatory pit stop, on the same set of hard tyres. Like, that's absolutely phenomenal that he managed to do that. Um, and that's a story that I feel like hasn't really been given enough attention for the year because that was really, really great. Um, and yeah, there have been lots of moments from this year with Alex where I think actually this has been a really good thing for him to come back into F1 and he's not sort of let the fact that he's come back with Williams ruin his experience or taint his experience. He's sort of taken it for what it is and delivered that team some really solid results over the year. So I think that he, away from this ABCDEF1 thing, is one of my stars of the season. Oh, yeah, he's been uh, maybe a little underrated in terms of, of what he's done. It's really hard to judge, uh, though, isn't it? A bit like, um, I guess we'll go, go into it later, but like a Lando where it's like, how much of it is that their teammate has just been really bad? Um, because Alex, in my opinion, has beaten Latifi a lot more. Like, it's been 
clear of Latifi more than George Russell was, but he's perhaps not had the highs that George Russell had at Williams where, you know, he was in the points a lot or, or doing things like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Alex has had a, a good season and it's funny you mentioned, Matt, that about uh, in Italy, uh, it's a shame that he actually missed that race because that was the track for Williams. Um, and we saw what De Vries could do. You'd assume that Alex might have done the same if not even better we give him an a star and he'd actually end up 10th uh in this in this list so um yeah he uh he's had a had a good a good season and like you katie like we we criticized him quite a lot and i think we even which it seems ridiculous now to even suggest it but i'm sure we had conversations of like wow, if Alban doesn't beat Latifi, his career's over, like that would look so bad. And he's absolutely wiped the floor with him. So um, yeah, fair play. Alex Alban's had a good year, but we'll see see how he gets alongside Logan Sargent. And, you know, if he's wiping the floor with him as well, um, then maybe, yeah, maybe he deserves a better seat. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? The next chronicle of Alex Alban. Um, P11 now then. Valtteri Bottas, so just missing out on the top 10, is the other Alfa Romeo driver. He managed zero Fs, zero Es, four Ds, seven Cs, seven B, three A, and one A star. This man was well on his way to a top six, probably, uh, through the midway point of the season with how well Alfa Romeo started, very sort of Haas-esque, it has to be said, and, uh, and Bottas was beating the Mercedes uh, in the first few races. And we were like, what a move from Bottas. Mercedes are washed. Bottas has gone to a better team. Obviously, it didn't end up that way. Uh, but he had a, a, a very much a season of two halves, uh, did Valtteri. Um, obviously, with his new uh, new haircut that he's rocking now. Uh, which, oh, I uh, think that looks so cool. I think he deserves a few extra points, to be honest with you. Uh, with how, Let's with make how him first. <laughs> he saved the off-season uh, with that bit of content. Um, but yeah, he was, I think it was pretty impressive. He did have, he did kind of go off the boil in the second half of the season. Um, and that's that's why he's finished 11th. You know, I, I felt like he probably maybe deserved a top 10 uh, spot, considering how, how good he was at the start. Um, but unfortunately for him, Alfa Romeo just just tailed off and and he wasn't able to do the performances that we know he can do. Um, but also he wasn't smashing Zhou Guanyu either. Like he wasn't completely obliterating him in, in terms of qualifying the race. So um I think it was a bit of driver and a bit of a bit of car as well. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a this is definitely a tale of two halves or maybe one third and two Three thirds. thirds. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh yeah first third of the season you'd have probably put him fifth or sixth uh best driver and let's not forget last... mexico don't know what happened there don't know why he was an absolute god around mexico especially in qualifying it's i predicted it, it he That's did why. ruin himself in the race though which was a shame which didn't yeah. allow him to give give him an a star but he was unreal in qualifying yes katie you can take the plaudits for that well done and even in the a star i'm sorry to to mention it but Bottas still just lacks that wheel-to-wheel thing. And I think I was one that argued that he shouldn't have got an A-star at Imola because he was all over the back of George Russell's car was so much quicker. But the guy just does not like to overtake uh, for whatever reason. Leave him alone, so... Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> he's had a good season, though. So... Top 10. Come on, chill out. He's got Let, nice hair, now, so back off. <laughs> I know. No, he's, he's, he's had a good, solid season. But 
uh it'd be interesting to to see next year how he does with a full season alongside Shou Guan Yu now they seem a bit uh, closer in performance Mm, it's gonna be very interesting yeah there's not really much for me to add like you guys said it's a shame that his car wasn't quite at the level that he was performing at some points and reliability issues seeming to hamper him every other weekend it felt like so I don't think we got to see the full potential of what Valtteri could do this season um but I'd still say yeah it was a a solid season and it was always going to be a bit of a bumpy ride I think having left Mercedes obviously we weren't Oh, sorry. Apart from Matt, nobody else predicted Mercedes to sort of have the slump that they did. But uh, oh, little, ooh, little dance and just <laughs> smug face. Um, this is my smug face. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, a good season for Valtteri, I think. Oh my good lord, we have absolutely rocketed through Tom with the hundred pounds plus twenty five pound gift aid, and we have finally entered Shuey territory. <laughs> name their donation name is katie zirishui <laughs> yeah so I, I think i think i know i don't think we even need to poll if if someone no, donated 100 no if someone no, donated 100 pounds and no, said no, that was 33 dollars still, still i think so no, let's do a poll Who we've all done one does the shoey come on katie 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 is doing hey. the shoey yes here we go then Ooh. Hey, we like to drink. Hey. Oh my god! Oh wow! Okay. I mean, it needs to have a minute because it's just <laughs> have a minute. What to froth? Like, what's no, going... it's just froth. I don't want to drink. To just be froth. fair, the quicker I, I mean, I drink it quick. Are you blowing it? <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of the bubbles. <laughs> it's just going to be bubbles if I drink this now. Exactly. Good. But... Come on, people are donating one thousand six hundred pounds. I'm going to take my glasses off because I did that last time and it helped. Right. In my antlers as well. In your antlers. Thanks, chat. Keep donating. Oh, I've got... Oh, it's all... Oh! (laughs) Doesn't smell good, does it? (laughs) Don't make a laugh. How many Ds did... uh, (laughs) The antlers are coming off. Katie, what's your... Bloody yeah. hell, you pour oh my seven word. litres of beer in there. I know, Jesus Christ. And if I just screamed at her, I'm sorry, chat. That was quite loud, probably, for you. Um, we almost well done. That is fair, fair man. man. That, is, that fair. is fair, man. Well done. In 10th position, Sebastian Vettel. No Fs, 1E, 2Ds, 6Cs, 3Bs, 5As, 3A stars. That's quite a few great performances, but only P10 for Sebastian Vettel. Of course, his last season in Formula One. And I feel like some of the grades were absolutely because he was retiring as well. Um, But he did have a few good moments. Baku, USA, Abu Dhabi, USA, of course, with that incredible last lap overtake on Kevin Magnussen. Abu Dhabi because he was retiring, but then he also did have a very good race and then got screwed so badly by the Aston Martin strategy, did he not? So... Yeah, Seb was, I think he had a decent season. I don't I don't know, and I'm sorry, because a lot of people love Sebastian Vettel, whether he actually deserves to be in the top 10. Again, it's quite difficult to really know how well he was doing when you're up against an unmotivated Lance Stroll, who 
Lance did beat him quite a few times uh, with this Tommy, as you mentioned, the Lance just rocking up and finishing P8. Uh, to be fair, though, on the flip side, you have to say that Aston Martin did screw him over on strategy quite a lot, like Sebastian Vettel. So uh, it's, it's hard to judge those kind of things because, you know, we aren't all eagle-eyed. Oh, Sebastian Vettel's uh, had a bit of a bad strategy here because he's in the mid-pack. No one really knows what's going on there as much as uh, at the front. Vettel so. stands now. Yeah, Vettel stands no will probably print out a sheet and and send it to me about how he was screwed over in every race. But I don't think it was the greatest season ever for Vettel, but uh, it certainly wasn't a bad one. No, I think my love for Sebastian Vettel might have swayed this ever so slightly. And at least on this podcast, I can actually defend myself. Because when you did the mid-season driver review and you were basically putting the entire blame on me, I was defenceless. I couldn't comment on anything, but I will openly admit that I've probably influenced the fact that he's 10th and not, not lower than this. But yeah, I think... Well, it's just Sebastian Vettel. There we go. That's my that's my argument. <laughs> but he has had some good races. Baku, I know that this isn't why we gave him an A start, but an amazing escape road little <laughs> turnaround. I maybe that this is, is why, why he's tenth. Yeah, exactly. Spin turn, A start. He did a 360. Should have been first. <laughs> um, and yeah, that last lap with uh, K Mag in Kota was just magic so i'd give him 10 a stars just for that one race even though that's not how the rules not work biased. no i don't actually like sebastian Vettel that much truth be told gotcha Telling porkies i'm telling porkies but yeah I, uh, ironically yeah we did the the mid-season podcast and i think he was like 12th or 13th and we were like how is he that high up and obviously we were bantering with you katie about you giving him great and then actually he's ended the season even higher because he's actually had a really good end to the season. He got uh, his last few grades were A, A, A star, C, B, A star. Um, so yeah, had a, had a great end of found a kind of a, as soon as he announced his retirement, he was putting in some really impressive performances and stuff. Yeah, eight, so um, Eighth, 14th, 11th, 10th. Yeah. Last six races. Not bad. Looking, looking at you mentioned like you probably wouldn't have put him in the top ten. I think, yeah, for for me, it's close between, you know, maybe Albon could have gone in there or Bottas or something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's a close one, but th- there's a big step up in my opinion to the next lot. Uh, I think it's closer between um, these guys. I think Vettel's probably, yeah, might maybe go down to or about about 10th, I think is fairish. Um, so yeah, good, good season. And yeah, just sad. He's, he's retiring. P9 Esteban Ocon. Zero F's, zero E's, two D's, six C's, eight B's, three A's, three A stars. Esteban Ocon. I feel like he was an unsung hero of this season. Very quietly going about his job, picking up a lot of points beat Fernando Alonso in the Drivers' Championship. Yes, Fernando had bad this, bad that, bad reliability, whatever. Yes, I get that. And realistically, on a level playing field, Fernando should have scored more points than Ocon. But I thought Esteban Ocon going up against us, Tommy reckons the greatest of all time. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Esteban had a very good season this year. And I think P9 maybe about just does it justice. But I think that he's had a few quiet races that maybe went under the radar as well. Yeah, this is another guy that I think's had a really good season and ninth maybe doesn't do it justice, but 
there are eight drivers that have done better than him, but he's had a very, very good well, season. Um, I, I think he's he's been, uh, I agree. Uh, he's been very good this season. You look at his consistency, only two degrades, three A stars as well. I mean, his drive in Japan was absolutely sensational. I think that was one of the best performances of the entire season, I'd say. Um, really, really impressive. Um, and yeah, uh, Esty Besty had a, a good year. And yeah, to beat Fernando Alonso, I know Alonso had like 600 car failures, but I think Ocon did. You know, th- th- there were a lot of races, I think, where we'd go, oh, you know, Alonso, and this, I'm the first to be blinded by this. I'm like, oh, Alonso's miles clear. You know, he'd, he'd be a thousand points clear of Ocon. But then you'll get to like, I think it was Hungary is a great example where he Alonso was like doing really well in qualifying and then Esty Bestie just comes out of nowhere and puts in a great quality and does like, you know, out-qualify Alonso when Alonso has been doing extremely well. So um, yeah, Ocon, uh, maybe a bit of an underrated driver, um, but next year uh, we will see the best from him, in my opinion, when yeah, he that- annihilates Pierre Gasly. But Ooh. I'll save that hot take for <laughs> Exciting. You can't say you're saving a hot take and then say <laughs> the hot take out loud. But... <laughs> yeah, he had two retirements this year, which is significantly fewer than what Fernando Alonso had. We'll take that. But every other result that he had where he didn't finish in the points, he was so close. He had an 11th place in the USA, um, 11th place in Monza, 12th in Monaco, which he was also, I don't think that was his best race, to be honest. Like that's when he was also with Lewis Hamilton and they were doing a bit of argy-bargy, a bit of bumper cars around the streets of Monte Carlo. Um, And then 14th to Imola. But aside from that, he consistently scored points in every single race and it wasn't just like a oh I'll get a tenth I'll get a ninth it was things like six sevenths there was a couple of eights in there the fourth in Japan that Tommy mentioned but he's done a really good job this year and he does he seems to do this every year and nobody really pays much attention to it he's like such a good secure pair of hands for you see unless you want beef with your teammate then don't do it. But if you just want somebody when they get into the car who can just drive and get that car in the points and also do it with a big smile on your face after you come out of the car and also have a great nickname in Esty Bestie and fully embrace that this season he has done, um, then Esteban Ocon is your guy. And yes, I love Esteban Ocon. Can you tell? Yeah, just a tiny bit. Esty wow. Bestie! <laughs> He's trying to like a dog, like he's trying to get. <laughs> yeah, come in, boy, come on, roll over. <laughs> right, uh, well done, Esteban Ocon, on a decent season. Eighth place goes to Carlos Sainz. Ooh. He has graded zero Fs, one E in Japan, two Ds, three Cs, eight Bs, six As, two A stars in Monaco and France. Carlos Sainz, yeah, it, it, we didn't have a terrible season by any stretch. I think that we saw a lot of the uh, Leclerc doubters were silenced quite quickly uh, with the comparison in pace between Sainz and Leclerc. Towards the end of the year, Carlos picked it up. I would argue some of that is Leclerc just almost fading 
towards the end of the year. I mean, it, it must be quite difficult to have had such expectations for the year and potentially fighting for the drivers' championship to then have Verstappen run away with it. Uh, but that's not to take anything away from science. He he definitely picked up his performances right at the end, um, but not anywhere near good enough to challenge for a title. Science's year this year that it was he was quite far off uh, at a lot of places. Um, but look, he said towards the end that he's kind of figured out the car and he, he's hoping to to pick it up pretty much straight away next year, whether that'll be the case, whether that's just dry F1 driver talk. We'll have to wait until the start of 2023. But I think eighth is is definitely right for Carlos Sainz, despite, of course, him picking up a victory. But Silverstone was the worst P1 I think I've seen in a very long time in terms of... Didn't like, get an A-star for a win. That says it already, yeah, doesn't it? His yeah. first win yeah. didn't get an A-star for it. Like, that's, that's mad, isn't it? Uh, but... Yeah, still a, a decent-ish performance, but you're being compared to Leclerc, so that's why. And I guess as well, we haven't... I, I suppose throughout this season, we sort of saw signs as like a, a level playing field with Leclerc, right? And that's probably why some of his grades were a bit harsher, whereas you look at maybe Perez and Verstappen as very much a number one, number two sort of driver. Signs was very much, well, beat, beat Leclerc last year in the driver's title. Um, so maybe that's why we're maybe a little bit more critical of him this year is that, we expected him to be a lot closer. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the start of Carlos's season, man had an absolute stinker. Like, if he wasn't having issues with, like, break by wire in Baku, wherever it is, um, or, like, his engine blowing up in Austria, I know that's more middle of the season, he was in a gravel trap. Like, Australia got in the gravel trap. Spain, he went through a gravel trap but managed to come out the other side. Imola got tagged by Danny Rick stuck in a gravel trap like he just had the worst start to a season I think maybe of anybody on the grid I don't know if you would agree with that but luckily um kind of turned it around get that confidence back in the car which we knew was extremely quick so I guess that makes life a little bit easier if you can see what your teammates doing so you know that there must be performance in that Ferrari um so I think considering the first couple of races he's actually done quite well to salvage sort of eighth here because if we were going with like first half of the season I think it would probably be a bit lower um but yeah like you say it's a real shame that his first win wasn't this amazing like headline first place yes Silverstone was a big talking point for lots of other reasons but you guys know that I love a real like not hero to zero or zero to hero story, but like I love these moments where a driver's getting their first win or you get an underdog that gets a really good result. And so normally for most drivers' first win, it's this big song and dance. It's a really lovely, wholesome moment. But for Carlos, I feel like that was kind of lost a bit because the circumstances around him getting his first win weren't really too great. And like we said, there were so many other things going on during that race that that sort of amazing story, I feel like, wasn't as good. I mean, the last first winners <laughs> we've had were people like Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, who really were, like, not expected to get their first win. But, um, yeah, and then, I mean, Japan was his lowest result, but that was because he literally aquaplaned and was the only car to aquaplane, and, you know, everybody's driving under the same conditions. So an unfortunate mistake from him there, but... 
hopefully he can take what he's learned this season and come back and really take the fight to Charles next year because I know that he's got it in him and he can. No, I don't it. want that. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I will have Charles Leclerc dominate from next year. Thank you very much. I need it a lot. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Carlos, dare I say, has had the opposite season to Valtteri Bottas, where when the car was good, he was actually pretty terrible and had a bit of a nightmare. And then when the car sort of wasn't, you know, Leclerc was winning a lot like races at the start, getting poles, things like that. And uh, like you mentioned, Katie, like science just ended up in the gravel trap all the time. And then when the car, you kind of saw Ferrari being sometimes even third best, definitely second best science was just finishing a lot more solid where he was finishing, you know, like one place behind Leclerc beating him the odd time and qualifying and stuff like that. So for me, Carlos, um, unfortunately didn't make the most of when the Ferrari was good. Uh, he said himself that it's, it was painful for him that the first time he got uh, a race winning car in his career, and it was the car that he gelled with the least that it's that adaptability that makes the great drivers great. Um, so maybe next year science will be better, but I agree eighth for me is where he deserves to be. It sounds, it seems like a, oh, eighth, that's, that's quite harsh. But when you actually look at the top seven, they're not, <laughs> they're just not, they've done a lot better than science. So yeah, I think it's fair. Agreed. Cool. Right. We now move to the top seven and it is Lando Norris uh, picking up that place. He had zero Fs, zero Es, zero Ds, six Cs, seven Bs, six As, and three A stars at Imola, Singapore and the USA. It's um, It was definitely a season where he was just constantly picking up places no matter what like he was just scoring and scoring and scoring and sometimes having very boring races on his own uh i mean his results were pretty pretty damn awesome of course the only driver to pick up a podium outside the top three um he only finished outside the points three times had two retirements as well uh, but apart from that finished seventh in the world drivers championship and just had a very good season which if it was perhaps any other year where there wasn't a massive chasm between the top three and the rest of the of the teams he probably would have picked up a few more podiums as well but that wasn't to be McLaren were off the pace but he made the most of a car that wasn't that great yeah this is this is a weird one because they're <laughs> it's hard to argue because they're literally grades that we gave them but if I was to actually do my list for, and ignore my own <laughs> grades from the year, I would have put Lando probably third or fourth um, overall. I think he is a he's a little bit of a victim of his own brilliance. I'd say this this year he's been really good and really consistent. So when Lando finishes P7, we go, yeah, solid from Lando, B, or maybe sometimes an A. Whereas, you know, Danny Rick finishes seventh, and it's like because he's been absolutely washed and terrible, we're like, A, A or an A star, well done, Danny. Whereas we've kind of maybe um, underrated Lando a little bit. Um, it, I, I'd say it depends how much you go on consistency, because I think if you went on consistency, Lando's, you know, he's knocking on even second best driver of the the year so um because he's just been solid all the way through second. but the, yeah 
but um i don't fresh think bias. That, <laughs> fresh bias yeah consistency fight me consistency how many times did uh, landon norris manage to put it in the wall when he was leading he... <laughs> savage but this, i think this shows uh this is a stat which will show you how, how close many times it is your favorite driver uh, actually led a race apart from when it's been chaos bowling <laughs> silence Anyway, um, carry on talking. The, uh, th- this shows how insanely close these next drivers are, that if you changed two of Lando's C grades to a B, he'd be f- he'd be third. That's how that's close how, it is. That's how close it is between seventh and third. Uh, the All these drivers, I think, there's an argument of switching them around in, in different orders. It's, it's insanely close. And I think Lando's been brilliant. The problem is... It's just been really hard to grade him because his teammate has been absolutely awful. So is he completely outperforming the car? I think he's doing the best of it constantly, but I don't, uh, it's hard to, yeah, I guess that the hard thing is to give him really amazing grades because it might be that the McLaren is the, uh, you know, worthy of finishing seventh and him just finishing seventh is all he can do. Um, so he's already he's already had one to grade, but his consistency has been uh, fantastic, and I, I hope I hope to see him uh, in a race winning car one day because I think he's got what it takes to be one of the best. But like I've said so many times, that's not a McLaren. Mm. Sorry. If I said that he's a, is it a silent assassin? Or a sneaky assassin. Silent. Like, you were right. You silent, were right first. Yep, yep, yep. So I feel like Lando this year has been a silent assassin um, because in 2021, you know, he was also putting in some amazing performances, but those performances were more sort of headline performances like getting on the front row or nearly winning the Russian Grand Prix, sorry for the trauma, or like all these other things. And he's not been able to do that this year because the top three have been clear of McLaren. But like you say, he's sort of just been there consistently, getting all these big haul of points, putting himself best of the rest, which I've learned is not a phrase that the drivers like because they'd like, well, I'd rather just be best rather than of the rest. But it's true. It's a matter of fact, they, he's normally been in that um, seventh, eighth place or whatever, or it would be, seventh because they wouldn't be in eighth place because somebody else would be best of the rest but you know what i mean like from the top three he's normally the one that's there that's better than the mercedes uh i'm, I'm trying to say what I'm, what am i trying to say oh my god i've had one shoe in my brain's going to <laughs> <laughs> but like you know he's the guy that's behind the ferraris the mercedes and the red bull like he's, it's normally he's, do- he's doing yeah. he's doing all he can and there's nothing like realistically there's nothing else he can do i mean his imola podium is underrated the fact that he's the only yeah. midfield guy that's actually got there but the sad reality is he could put in the absolute god tier best drive he's ever done and he'd finish seventh or he'd put in a pretty good drive and finish seventh that's just the reality of unfortunately the new regs and how the the absolute chasm like you said matt between those top three teams versus everyone else and between race 11, Austria, and race 15, uh, sorry, 16, uh, which was Monza, five of those races, he finished seventh out of six. So that yeah, just kind of shows go. you uh, yeah. where he was rocking up uh, most most races. But then again, Nico Hulkenberg used to do that, and uh, no one rates him. So what's the difference? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yes, Lando Norris, very close uh, to finishing a bit higher. And we now move to joint fourth. 
So we have three drivers, all with the same score over a over a course of a whole season. Sergio Man. Perez, George Russell, and Fernando Alonso. So we are gonna work out an order between the three of us. So we'll go through uh, each of them. First and foremost, we'll go with George Russell. So he got zero Fs, one E, which was Singapore, which was a god-awful race for him. Zero Ds, two Cs, eight Bs, ten As, one A star, which was at Brazil. George Russell, I'm absolutely putting fourth out of these three. There's, There's no two ways about it. I think that despite his consistency, despite, yes, he did have a few moments of him having a, like a little crash happy little period of time during the F1 season uh, around sort of Cota just before that as well. Um, his season was absolutely bloody awesome. Like crikey mate kind of vibes. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> proper George Russell shocked because he beat Lewis Hamilton over the course of a season. I don't care what team LH throw at you in terms of the reasons why over the course of an entire season, George Russell, who rocked up into this team, yes, he's been a part of this team for ages and ages, but to drive a Mercedes and to beat Lewis Hamilton over the course of a season is not plaudited enough, in my opinion. Uh, and I think George had an incredible season. He beat Lewis Hamilton pretty much toe-to-toe in Brazil. Yes, Lewis might have been covering and having some damage and blah, 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 whatever. George is, like, just for a second, we just have to appreciate what he's managed to do in the first year of him at Mercedes, like he has got a very bright future coming. And in my opinion is absolutely going to be a world champion after what I've seen this year. Wow. Some big claims. I think he has had a really strong season. Like you say, the car's not been there and he's shown that he's mature enough to deal with the fact that the car's not going his way. Perhaps some other drivers on the grid might not be as level-headed and as calm as he has been, but maybe that's because in the back of his mind, he knows he signed a contract with Mercedes and they're not really going to put up with the fact that they are third. They want to be at the front. Um, So maybe he knows that better times are around the corner. But yeah, certainly, you know, he's got his maiden win this year. There have been a couple of races where he's been a bit iffy. I mean, we gave him an E for Singapore because that was just dreadful. Like, I know he started at the back. I think he started in the pit lane, if I remember correctly. Um, But even then, like, trying to make his way through just wasn't it. You know, um, coming together with Mick and all these other kind of things um, wasn't his his finest moment, but he wasn't alone in that race. Um, And then, like you say, he got a bit of a reputation sort of midway through the season when he people sort of put him down as a blame for that crazy Joe crash that we saw in Silverstone, tapping Carlos Sainz and the pole sitter taking him out of the race at Cota. Like there've been lots of examples that people have sort of put together of him maybe getting away with um, the occasional bump and things like that through other drivers. But generally I think it's been a, a good first season with Mercedes. I personally am not going to put him forth, but I'll let you. Wow. Let you go with that, Tommy. I mean, look, I, I just Tommy. want to quickly add as well, I know I've praised him a lot, but the fact that he went on that run of top five finishes at the start oh, yeah, of the year true. when Mercedes were not good at all, Hamilton was getting knocked out in Q1 and Saudi, et cetera, et cetera. He had nine top five finishes in a row with three podiums there. He finished in the top five 19 times out of the 22 races that we had. That consistency is on another level, in my opinion, and I think that is 
again under the reason I, I mean I would even maybe put him third genuinely he's had an unreal season and I'm a George Russell fanboy apparently now Tom Bellingham what do you have to say to <laughs> the matter? I agree that I think he's had uh, I'm surprised how under the radar George Russell beating Lewis Hamilton and it's not just beating Hamilton in the season because yeah there's always that argument of like oh Hamilton is using experimental flaws and stuff at the end of the day there were a few races at the end of the season where Mercedes probably could have got a victory and the track where I think we've mentioned this with Hamilton before um it was this this year to get a win you essentially had to be on it in the very rare occasion that Verstappen made a mistake or was off and at the end of the day that that race where that happened to Verstappen uh George Russell was the one in the Merck that was ahead you know won the sprint uh overtook Verstappen won the sprint um started on pole from from the sprint and uh won the race and kept that uh Mercedes kind of win streak going that a lot of people thought was was going to end this year um his consistency has been incredible. And I'd say maybe the Singapore thing gets a little bit too much heat because it was literally one race. I mean, looking at his grades, he didn't get a single D grade or an F grade. He got one E, two Cs, and then everything's a B or higher, you know, 10 As. I think he's maybe not had, uh, well, he hasn't. Uh, uh, that's a fact uh, to quote one of his phrases like uh, that, that he's not had maybe those a star performances but the consistency uh, has been absolutely amazing and dare I say it's consistency that that wins you titles and you know if he's doing that when the Mercedes is is good and just getting all the points he needs he could he could challenge for a title so yeah I think I think George Russell has been um sensational um and sorry katie but i'd agree with you matt that even even though one of the other drivers is fernando alonso who i obviously adore um i i personally would put russell fourth as well british bias okay <laughs> well british bias flowing uh our second driver is fernando alonso he had zero Fs, zero Es, one D, which was from Miami, five Cs, five Bs, nine As, and two A-stars, which was the Netherlands and the USA. Fernando was doing things that you would not expect that a man of that age to be able to do in a Formula One car. Uh, there were a lot of what could have could have been. It's amazing how Ocon beat him in the championship, and we're talking about him being the fourth best joint driver of the season uh but obviously that's, that's due to how all many the crazy stuff that he had go on um yeah he was sensational brilliant to watch you know canada sticking it on the front row what could have happened in australia qualifying of course even what could have happened in the canadian gp race but his car then had a problem again shock and he couldn't go as quickly as he could and maybe that could have been a podium for him then um but yeah alonso driving back from the USA crash with Stroll and just brilliant to watch. And it kind of, yeah, you kind of wonder Fernando Alonso coming back to the sport, how will he actually perform? You look at what Michael Schumacher did and how much he struggled as much as that pains me to say out loud, Fernando Alonso in a similar sort of scenario, although he did obviously drive the sort of hybrid McLaren Honda. So it's not the, the, the craziest switch for him. That's my Michael Schumacher defending right there. Uh, but Fernando's Opium. been unbelievable for for that that man to produce the performances he did. 
straight up fire. Can't wait to see what he does next year. But he's gone to Aston Martin, which, yeah, we'll see how good Aston Martin are next year. Yeah, I think Fernando Alonso, um, I'd say he's had a very different season to George Russell, despite them ending up with exactly the same kind of points or or average grade here. Um, Because for me, Fernando Alonso... I wouldn't say he's been inconsistent because he's been hard to grade because his car just has problems all the time. If you listen to our end of season podcast, I think you read something out on Reddit, Matt, that was like that list where I think you could, there was about 14, 15 issues that he had during the season. Even if it wasn't simply breaking down from a race, there was something, there was always something that was going on. Um, But for me, Fernando Alonso's had higher highs like that, that front row in Canada. I mean, no one in a midfield car did anything like that other than Lando's podium to 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 break into that top that to to displace any of those top three teams in any moment, even though it was a wet qualifying. But it, you know, it went the distance. I know Magnuson got a pole, but that was kind of a very unique circumstance where the session ended early. It rained a lot. That that qualifying session went the distance. And Fernando Alonso put it on the front row. Again, he was purple in a dry qualifying in Australia and potentially could have been on the front row again. Oh, it's absolute. I know what could have been, but it just shows that he's still got it. And for me, Fernando Alonso has been maybe, yeah, he's not been as consistent as someone like George Russell, where he will get the, uh, you know, he will be constantly like a, well, like a Lando, you know, if you want the consistency, you've got to look at someone like Lando who's seventh, 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 which you could say that um, this is what, you know, Alpine should be doing. But for me, Fernando Alonso had some amazing highs and just sort of cemented that thing, not just for me as an Alonso fanboy, but other people that maybe underrated him a little bit or thought, oh, he's he's past it, that give him a top car and he will still win races even at his age. Um, Yeah, just an incredible season, really. And like you say, the fact that he's finished behind his teammate uh, and his uh, joint fourth on the list is mad. Yeah, it's so frustrating with this because you're like, well, do you grade them as a driver and potentially look at where they would have finished? Because with Fernando, you know, the car, as we've mentioned so many times, just kept failing on him when he was in those positions that would have made him consistent, like Lando Norris. So it's kind of tricky. Are we going to just go with how he would have finished had the car not broken? Or are we going to include that with our overall You're saying this like we haven't already graded them. Uh, graded him actually. Well, I can't remember season. what I did yesterday, let alone like earlier this season, <laughs> what we, how we graded them. So, um, but yeah, for me, Fernando, um, he's been able to put himself up the front in a car that is definitely not deserving to be there. He's old. <laughs> he um, also gets extra points for his sassy radio messages. I absolutely adore them. They make my day. And um, yeah, I. If I was to grade, I'd put him, it is. And for those reasons, that's why I would, this is going to go down so badly, but I'd maybe put him above George Russell because although the Mercedes was still, you know, not as competitive as normal, (laughs) I don't think he had the chance to show the consistency that we know he could have had. It's really hard to grade. It's it's really really difficult. It's It's really difficult when you're like, uh, the the problem is we've we've got this situation because of the new rules. Hopefully, it closes up. Where essentially, like 
it's almost the opposite to Lando. Whereas I think I personally still would put George Russell fourth. This sounds like I'm going back on my own argument, but him consistently being in the top five is like realistically he's only ever going to finish sixth anyway. Um, but I think I think what Russell did at the start of the year was you know he was beating like the likes of um, science and getting that win. But it is like grading people in two different sports because you've got Fernando Alonso who's driving a car that is breaking down all the time and can't really do anything against George Russell who is in a the third best car and sort of being yeah and being a bit consistent so well George didn't have any mechanical retirements this year did he he nearly did in Brazil but he didn't actually have a mechanical retirement yeah Mercedes was very Mercedes was weirdly to say they had all those issues, they were very sort of bulletproof, bulletproof reliability, yeah. weren't they? Two thousand and two pounds. Oh um, no, hundred so percent. What are we? Right, chat. Thank what you, we everyone. Do- chat. What are we doing? Is everyone doing one, or is it a targeted shoey? You decide. I'm cushions and I keep falling down because I'm keeping. Either say okay in the chat now, all or targeted. All. Oh yeah, polls exist. Yeah. Well, then. <laughs> Sorry. Are we ready? Cheers, gents. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm. I can't drink it when you're making that noise. I was about to say that your the noise you were making was far worse than the actual experience of the shoe. Oh my god, guys, it's <laughs> it's coming through my shoe. It's seeping through. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I need some water that was freaking vile. And the final fourth position is Sergio Perez, who had zero Fs, zero Es, one D in Canada, five Cs, five Bs, eight As, three A stars in Saudi, Monaco, and Singapore. Yeah, Sergio Perez, for me, probably would be sixth if we were to take them away from each other and not be drawing. He had an amazing start to the season, um, and we were wondering, oh, is he a championship contender? Uh, And then his car did not suit his driving style anymore for whatever reason you can decide um but yeah Sergio has still had a really good season um and I think he can be happy with what he achieved definitely um but yeah I I would put Alonso and Russell above and maybe that's because again you're working with expectations here like for me Russell you know you're you're expecting him to be beaten by Hamilton Fernando Alonso 41 years old and an Alpine but he's doing amazing stuff Sergio Perez is in the Red Bull, which won the world championship. And so there's, of course, going to be a level there where the grades and, and maybe your opinion is skewed. So for me, Sergio finishes the bottom of the fourth runners in P6. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, st- I still think it's been Sergio's best year to date. Um, we mentioned that well, like his A stars came at Saudi, Monaco and Singapore, all places which he, well, actually, he didn't win the race in Saudi. He got pole in Saudi, his first ever pole position. Um, but it wasn't to be that... Uh, like fake call for a pit stop from the clerk caught out Perez. He pitted, then there was um, was it a safety car afterwards or something? And yeah, basically, got screwed, he it? got screwed over. And I'm still not over it, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, he certainly had a much better season than I think he has previously. But like you say, with Max Verstappen as your teammate and a car that we saw potential with Sergio and that Red Bull at the start of the season. Um, but it's just not really continued over the majority of the year. Like, I'm more than happy that he's had 
races where he's really shone bright and that Max hasn't actually been able to match him. And that's, you know, I really like races like that, but um, I just don't think it was enough considering how competitive that Red Bull was. He should be doing that more. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd probably put him behind Alonso and Russell in this. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I don't know how you can put uh, Sergio anything other than sixth in my in my opinion because i i i worry that checo is is one of those drivers where maybe i think you mentioned this earlier with science matt that if you kind of expect him to be behind verstappen so if checo finishes second he gets an a whereas max finishes second we're like oh he should have won the race it's probably a b maybe an a and and maybe like Checo gets a better grade when he's sort of finishing behind Verstappen because that's where you kind of expect him to be. And, and realistically, that is kind of the job that most people believe, uh, whether Red Bull would admit it or not, that he's been bought, bought to do, to be a solid number two to Verstappen. And I think more than ever, it's helped that the car has been very good. Um, but more than ever, he has been a more consistent um, driver that's picked up picked up the points i think for me if he'd got p2 in the title which i think he should have done in that car especially how good red bull were at the end of the the season um you know maybe maybe he'd go to fourth number two (laughs) god's sake um but yeah he uh, then maybe you know we're we're putting him fourth and going well he did everything that he needed to do um finish second in the title make sure that Red Bull and the constructors by a country mile. But you do have to look at, no matter how good he's been, he finished 149 points behind his teammate. But then his teammate... But he would have finished second in the title, Tommy, had uh, Max Oh, had he let him through. Um, But then his teammate is Max Verstappen. So that kind of... It's a a different argument, isn't it? So, um, yeah, a good good solid year for, for Checo, but I'd put him sixth. I'd go Russell, then Fernando, then Checo. But then if I was to redo the grades, I might even put Lando ahead of Russell. <laughs> wow. Okay. Intriguing stuff. Thank you, Tommy. The first driver on the podium, P3, is Lewis Hamilton. Zero Fs, one E in Spa. 3Ds, 1C, 3Bs, 10As, 4A stars for Spain, France, Hungary, and the USA. Yeah, intriguing, isn't it, Hamilton? Getting uh, better grades and uh, than George Russell. A lot of A stars, which have helped pretty much push him over the edge of uh, the tied fourth place um, shenanigans that's going on. Um, I mean, when you look at it on the face of it, from the results, he got beaten in the drivers' championship. Yes, there's talk of him running experimental setups and, and things like that to try and help the team. And you know, that's that's talk, isn't it? That's we we know that Toto isn't afraid to massage Lewis Hamilton's ego as well if things aren't going right. Coming over the team radio, yeah, I know the cars and S box, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll be cut. We'll be back. You know, all this sort of stuff. Mercedes know how to try and keep their drivers happy, especially Lewis Hamilton, who is uh, the most successful driver of all time. 
I am inclined to say that I think George Russell should be third and Lewis Hamilton should be fourth. Hamilton has had some amazing results uh, and some brilliant drives. Um, but I don't know. We're all set. We're, we're again talking about <laughs> expectations and yeah. what Hamilton should be doing and what George Russell should be doing realistically in his first season at Mercedes. And yeah, I think if I was to move it around, and I'm sure there isn't much between the joint fourth place drivers and then Hamilton in third. But if I was to rate it now, I would I would probably, yeah, put George ahead of Lewis. Yeah, this is how close it is. So uh on Tune Fix's graphic that we'll uh link to in the description and stuff. The uh we did this where yeah an A an A star is worth six points, A5, B4, etc. etc. When you turn that into a championship's points tally, you've got Lewis Hamilton third on 96 points. Then Perez on 95 points, Alonso on 95 points, George Russell on 95 points, and Lando on 94. So those drivers, it is literally one or two grades. Well, well, one grade, uh, a couple, you know, could could completely change it. Like Hamilton could have easily been seventh as much as he was third. It is that close between these drivers. And I think a lot of people, I think there'll be a lot of debate between these five drivers of of who should be. Uh, who should be where so Hamilton's season I think was different to to Russell's and the Russell was more consistent um however did get that win when it mattered which I think is a is a plus for Russell Ham- Hamilton had uh more kind of standout races where you'd think that wow like I mean his performances in his a stars of Spain France Hungary and Cota were really good like really really good they were just all races where Max Verstappen was really, really good. And all of those A stars was Hamilton finishing second to Verstappen. Uh, and, you know, th- th- those performances, he was beating Ferraris, which were better. He was beating Sergio Perez in a better Red Bull. But Hamilton's great races came on days where Max was also very good. So he didn't he didn't carry on that win record. So oh, it's, it's a really difficult one. Um, Apart from Spain, I, by the way, that he didn't finish second in Spain, but he came from like sorry, last, yeah. thirty seconds behind the the back. That was of the, the K Mag contact, right? Yeah, with K Mag, and then yeah, came back uh, and had unbelievable pace. And I think we we're all saying, could Hamilton have won that race or at least finished maybe second uh, or third? Uh, and that was when the Mercedes were, wasn't doing particularly good. So yeah, uh, for me, I think Hamilton. I would put Hamilton ahead of Russell, but it is so marginal. It's so marginal. And I can I can totally see either way. Yeah, I mean, we look at Lewis Hamilton's season, and for a lot of people, they'll probably either see it as the season where he was Mercedes guinea pig and you know, they were putting all these parts on his car and slowing him down and testing all this. And he was proved himself to be a real team player. Not that we didn't think he was beforehand, but we've seen it even more so far this season. Um, but also, yeah, the season where he didn't get that win, but strip that back and take that away, just like generally looking at his season so far, it was a kind of a similar story, I guess, like we have with George is that you'd have a look at how the standings were of after the race or the classification and you'd be like, oh yeah, like Hamilton's managed to get another really good, like get on the podium. He had so many races where he was on the podium in a row and things. And that's just testament of, 
you know his abilities and his skill that although he didn't get that prized first place this year he's still been super consistent getting those results um and I guess that's why we've we've put him into third like you say and looking back at putting them all into order like this and going through them there's probably going to be even though we've put them in this order like reasons why we want to change things here and there but he's just done a really solid job and um I'm sure all the data and stuff that he's collected as well over the season just as George has will be a huge benefit to Mercedes and uh yeah I don't know like we've seen up until now there have been some drivers that maybe haven't had that amazing standout performance but they've still been at the front and we're so used to seeing them at the front that we kind of don't really highlight the fact that they've consistently had these really really good performances this once again the shoey juice is really getting to me <laughs> i feel like i'm just waffling but you get my how own. much did you put in your shoey um yeah i think i think hungary for me is the the standout race for hamilton where in that race for me verstappen and hamilton showed just how good they both are and uh, and we we've seen I think we've seen moments from Hamilton this year where we've gone the Mercedes are up there Hamilton is challenging for for the championship again and and would would take it to to the fight to Max again so um, yeah it, it, the, I don't think I've ever witnessed uh, we've done ABCDF one for a long time now and I don't remember as ever being sort of a fight like five way sorry three four yeah five five drivers that are pretty much almost equal and it is really hard so a lot of people will probably go oh it's absolutely outrageous that lando's seventh that sounds ridiculous because they'll put lewis hamilton seventh and put lando third but realistically they're all very close and really hard to to pick between can you imagine the devastation if we put hamilton as the seventh best driver this year what would happen on social media oh we'd be cancelled finished yeah Um, we'd be Instead, will be cancelled by. Lando Norris fans instead will be angry. Either or, uh, we now move on to the runner-up, and of course, it is the vice champion Charles Leclerc. Uh, he finished with one what? F, France, which, to be fair, is that... the only F in the top. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Fifteen. Lance Stroll, 16th, was the only other driver to get an F between him and Charles Leclerc. Uh, And, I mean, yeah. The only drivers to get Fs, yeah, were Latifi obviously got eight of them. Daniel Ricciardo got two of them. Lance Stroll got one. And then the only other one was Leclerc. But I think we were, yeah, we were very brutal, but I think fairly for that error. Very upset. Um, So, yeah, uh, one F, zero Es, zero Ds, two Cs, five Bs, eight As. Six A stars. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he had an amazing season. He did what he could in that in that Ferrari. Sometimes he outperformed it, especially in qualifying. Uh, but I think that's where the Ferrari was strong because of the way in which the uh, tire wear played out in the races. That was where they kind of fell short quite a lot of the time. Uh, of course, there is this whole, oh, you know, name a better, a more iconic duo than Charles Leclerc, Poland, and Max Verstappen win. And that's what that's what happened throughout most of the season. You know, we we did a video with him in Dubai, and we were playing a game, and we mentioned tire degradation, and he said, "Oh, you know, way to sum up my whole 2022 season or something to that to that regard." So, uh, yeah, the Ferrari unfortunately 
just wasn't good enough in the race pace. Uh, but Leclerc was so clear of everyone else. Verstappen and Leclerc, if it wasn't for Charles Leclerc, we, it would have been even more of a boring season. Can you imagine what it would have been like if uh, if we had someone maybe performing at the same level of as signs? Verstappen would have walked the, almost the entire season. Uh, so, yeah, a very deserving P2. I don't think he deserves any lower or higher than that. And that is coming from a passionate, not 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 fanboy, whatever person. Yeah, that is Shuey Juice is really affecting it us really all is. now. Um, yeah, I think coming into this season, like this is probably the first chance, definitely the first chance that Charlotte's had to really fight for a championship. And we saw quite early on into his campaign was Imola, and he made that small but still very costly mistake. And myself included, but other fans were like, you know. He, he needs to iron out these mistakes if he ever wants to win a world championship. Then obviously we got to France as well and we saw it happen. But I think the one thing that 2022 has taught me about Leclerc is that like there's never going to be a stage where he's going to grow out of it. Like I thought maybe it was going to be a thing that he just have to learn to not do. But I think we've seen that that's never going to be how he drives and actually that's a really exciting thing at first I was like that's his biggest weakness but perhaps actually he can use that into a strength in that he's always on the limit a hundred percent of the time and maybe in 90 percent of the instances it's going to be amazing like this is why he's got so many pole positions the man is insanely quick and that's a real strength of his but perhaps he'll just be on the limit and like I say one time out of 10, yes, that's correct, that is 10%, um, it, it won't work and he might make a mistake, hopefully not one as costly as we saw in France, but for lots of people, maybe yourself included, Matt, it might be a bit of a tricky watch if you're watching him and thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to bin it at any moment, which sometimes I get when I watch Leclerc's on boards, but it certainly doesn't um, not deliver excitement when you watch him drive, and yeah, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from this year on him. Um, he did a really, he he gave it a good fight. I think we kind of got to halfway through the season. We were like, he did, he put up a good fight, but Max ultimately was just the better and had the better car and the better strategy team and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think Charles should be really proud of his season. Um, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we see him fighting for a championship. Hopefully we get it as soon as next year. I think uh, just on the comment about his driving style and always been on the limit and sometimes crashing, I think that the reason in which he had to drive that way is because of Max Verstappen and the level of which Red Bull were putting out week in, week out. If Ferrari have a, a car that is half a second clear of everyone else, I don't foresee Leclerc driving like that because he'll have something in the well, locker. We've seen it in previous seasons, though. Like, there's not really but been But he's a never had a car that's made... been dominant, though, right? No, it's true, very, it's but quite he's easy always to made have. little mistakes here and there, mm. even when he wasn't fighting Max Verstappen for a title. I think I... it's just how he drives the car. I'm going to sound like a Charles Leclerc fanboy here, so excuse me. I know Matt won't. We'll save this. <laughs> I personally think that the Charles Leclerc is really inconsistent and makes loads of mistakes is a massive myth in his career. I mean, I look at that. I look at the season he's had and I look at our ABCDF1 grades and and for me like he's made a catastrophic error in France which is unforgivable we gave him the F but realistically he's got two C's and then everything else is a B and above 
So I personally don't really understand why he gets so beat up for maybe a slightly small error that is not uh, the 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 France one was massive. Imola, like I think this is probably coming from a Verstappen fan that had to watch Verstappen in 2018 bin it in about seven races in a row because he is essentially racing against Mercedes that is unbeatable and watching Hamilton and Bottas and Rosberg and whatever drive around. And if they have the worst race of their career, they're finishing second. Uh, and I think that's when you overdrive a car. So I have a bit of sympathy for Charles Leclerc there as a Max fan, because I've seen it happen to Max where you're in that part of your career where you've got a car that can't get anywhere near the front runners or well, not, not anywhere near, but, you know, Leclerc's the one that's actually taken it to Verstappen, but the car's better. And then when when we've seen that the Ferrari is as good as the Red Bull, you know, I think Leclerc's drove drove brilliantly. Bahrain is a great example. His overtake uh, on Verstappen, again, pains me to say, it was absolutely sensational at Austria. Um, <laughs> so for me, I think that... Um, I think Formula One. It's it's a weird it's a weird spot. Like, look at look at like Hamilton. Um, we didn't actually mention this with Hamilton, but Ham Hamilton has made you know he made a mistake at Spa with Alonso, you know, big error, crashed on the first lap. And I don't think Hamilton's an inconsistent driver. It's just that he's trying to get everything out of the car and making a mistake. He did the same at Singapore. So. Yeah, I, I'm sounding like a Leclerc fanboy that's Let's trying to defend him massively, but I personally think it's a bit of a, a myth that he's this really inconsistent driver because you look at his grades and actually no Ds, no Es, two Cs, five Bs, six, sorry, six A stars and eight As. Like there's two mistakes all season, which yeah. I don't think is fair fair to like really go in on when someone like Sainz, for example, made about 10 errors <laughs> at the he start did. of the season. But that's why we're not obviously putting him in the world championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, quality at this at this stage for Sainz. But when you actually look at Leclerc's season, I'm not going to go into it in full detail because it pains me, but, you know, first, second, first in the th first three races and you got uh, the Emilio Romagna, which he did make a mistake. He was pushing too hard and that's that fits in with Katie's, you know, um, thoughts around that. But then you got Spain, he retired, so he blew up. Um, yeah, Monaco was screwed over. Azerbaijan blew up. Canada had to start the back. I think he did. Silverstone, pretty sure he had a. Why didn't they? Oh, no, he got Claire. screwed over with the hard tires. Uh, France, obviously, big crash. So that's two big that's errors, I'd errors. say. And then you got yeah. Hungary, Hungary screwed over by screwed Ferrari. Over. Uh, Belgium, he had to start at fifteenth or something. And then you got podium, 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 podium. Mexico City, a bit rubbish to be honest. For he was, he didn't drive very good, and signs beat him. Uh, then you got Brazil, which again Ferrari were just nowhere. Um, and then it's the end of the season, Abu Dhabi, and he finished second. So, yeah, uh, what would you like to say back to that, Katie? I mean, Tommy's gone in on, on Charles Leclerc being a consistent man. You still, <laughs> you still. I didn't say he wasn't consistent. I just said that I think we've got to come to terms with the fact that sometimes his driving style is that he does push too hard, and sometimes that can result in a mistake or two. But hey ho, like that's how. Half the drivers hey, on ho, the grid drive. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Hey. 
Um, but yeah, that's how that's a driving style of a lot of drivers on the grid, ones that we've even talked about today. So I think it's just, yeah, how he drives. But like looking back at certain moments of his, like that whole crashing into the car section in Baku and the whole I am stupid and all that kind of stuff. I thought maybe that would be like, oh, he's new into F1 and all this kind of stuff. But I think that's just that's just how he is. And I love him for it. I think I'd so much rather watch a driver who just pushes it to the limit 100% of the time. And sometimes it's like that win it or bin it mentality. I'm not saying he bins it all the time, but I find that much more interesting than somebody who just will just toot along and never make mistakes. Katie would have Max loved Shaq Villeneuve back in the day. Is that uh, basically <laughs> it, right? Um, I mean, to be fair, Max Verstappen, as Tommy said, was was much worse. Uh, but then again, he was he seventeen was, and yeah. very much learning on the job uh, as he was driving around. But as we move on to P one, and that is of course Max Verstappen, who scored zero Fs, zero Es, one D for Singapore, one C, one B, seven As, and twelve A stars. <laughs> cool. That's the end oh, of the podcast. Well. Thank you so uh, much. Let's, yeah, that's it. thank you so Got much for take. listening. Um, look, what more is there to say? Verstappen was in another level. He he managed to bounce back from a steady start to the season uh, in some of the uh, Grand Prix. We're looking at Perez, as we said, uh, suiting the car slightly better, but then he got into a stride, stretched his legs, and uh, that is that, really. I mean, I, I don't really know what to say apart from Verstappen is uh, an absolute force to be reckoned with. And I hope for the casual viewer, he doesn't have a car like that for every single year for the next 10 years. Otherwise, uh, we could be seeing a lot of records going. Yeah, absolutely. It was for that. It was that season where we said, I think we even said this in 2020, that give Verstappen a championship-winning car, and it's scary how good he was in 2020 when the Red Bull was nowhere near, and then in 2021 when it was probably you know there it was close between uh, Mercedes and Red Bull and kind of changed what was the best car. Um, but I mean, the, the scary thing as well was at the start of the year, the car wasn't really suited to him Yeah, He was still either finishing second or, or first in all the races. And then or as soon DNFs as, as well, so. or DNFs when the car broke down, but as soon as the car got to his liking, uh, from pretty much, I guess, Azerbaijan onwards, um, even though he was already, was he leading the championship at that point? Uh, or probably because of Leclerc's failures, but still, um, as soon as he got the the car behind him, it was just like, it was only ever an issue that stopped him winning a race. Uh, and that is very scary for everyone else on the grid because his errors were few and far between. Um, Singapore was his only degrade, which was uh, obviously that that race where they he had the the issue in qualifying which meant he was always playing catch up and um as as caught out lewis hamilton and a lot of other drives in that race singapore was a weird one where the second you went offline it was one of those awkward wet races where it was really hard to overtake and as soon as you go offline you just skid off the circuit and yeah he made that massive lock up trying to make it make it through the field and that was probably the old Max Verstappen that we that we saw. Um, whereas we've had a lot more of the the calculated stuff. I've said this already when we did our, our season review, but yeah, he's he's much more calculated from that old Max where now he's got a dominant car, he knows he needs to pace himself. And 
not go for a dive bomb from 14th at Spa because he knows that he'll just be able to breeze past loads of cars in the DRS. Uh, and Spa is one of those examples that we'll look back on one day and go, how on earth did he just make the easiest win ever from 14th yeah. on the grid? And he was behind his teammate who was in the same car within about four laps. <laughs> it's just yeah, Spa, Hungary, you know, you name it, doesn't matter where he qualified or what power unit problems he had, he would just rock up and win. And it just became very much uh, an inevitable feeling uh, about Verstappen and, and that and that. Uh, relationship he had with that Red Bull car is, uh, yeah, an absolutely stunning, stunning, um, just execution of this championship. Uh, just ran away with it. Thanks so much. See you next year. Uh, it was, yeah, and uh, that combination of a championship winning car and Verstappen, I don't think could be beaten. Even with Leclerc and Ferrari sorting their antics out, they wouldn't have got anywhere close because their car wasn't good enough. And even then, even in equal cars, Verstappen beats Leclerc. It it's just it just is the case. I'm gonna swap a fanboys today. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much for me to add on top of what you guys have said. There's one word that always comes back when talking about Max Verstappen's season, and that is just inevitable. Um, like you say, whether he's coming from 14th or seventh or wherever it may be on the grid, first, second, like he's pretty much guaranteed to win the race. Like fans know it drivers know it you know listening to some of the drivers speaking after saturday qualifying in spa they're all saying oh well max will probably pass me by lap two and all this kind of thing like it's just it's just seems to be fact now that he will somehow make his way up to the front and win the race unless his car is damaged or he's been dealt a really unfortunate set of cards but just a sensational season and like Tommy said this will be one of those I'm sure that in a couple of decades time people will look back or maybe even sooner than that and just say well this was a season and this guy was just on another level so congratulations Max there was no one else that was going to be top of this list well actually no there is someone top of this list uh with <laughs> 22 a stars it's uh Tommy's child Grace who ruined the entire world championship with the use of her onesies um, so thank you so much. Well, you know what? We're not going to be horrible to Grace. We're going to be horrible horrible to her dad who decided to use uh, the Verstappen onesie far too I much. Um, I think I think she's uh, I think she deserves like a whatever the equivalent of a knighthood in the Netherlands is for her contribution to Formula One. A lifetime Clearly. contribution at nine, <laughs> eight, eight months. Well done, Grace. <laughs> Amazing stuff. I thought um, you were going to say when you mentioned about... Um, there was someone that was first. Uh, Nick DeVries, if you go on average, uh, did one race and got one A star. So what about Hulkenberg? Where did he average? Uh, he got two Cs. So, oh, okay. so uh, he was 17th. Should just stay at home, really. Um, yeah. So yeah, well done Nick DeVries for winning winning the average. That is, uh, that's quite an achievement. Of course, he'll be on the grid next year, so we'll be able to see if uh, he'll get 23 A stars. We will see. We'll Can he keep out. up that average? Uh, Tommy, final thoughts? Final thoughts are, I hope you enjoyed that very wow. long season. Yeah. Looking is... forward to next season. Uh, uh, yeah. It's been a long podcast. Tommy is running out of battery. I know. Um, and just this season. Uh, yeah, I don't know what more to add. It's been a, it's, we've done our season review. It's been a great, a great season as a Verstappen fan. And uh, yeah, best driver one. Just got to get some fanboy in there because I've been too, too much. Yeah, too nice fanboy. about Leclerc. Fair enough. <laughs> Katie? 
so I think you said me, my headphones have died. So I can't actually hear a single thing that you're saying. Um, But my final thoughts are, um, oh, I had one and it's gone because I got- I love Esty Bestie. I can see your mouth is moving, but I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Oh, I'm Katie, I'm washed. My final thoughts are, I feel sick after all these shoeys. So there we go. But it's been a good reason because we've been raising money for Blood Cancer UK. So many thanks to everyone that's donated in the Twitch chat. If you want to donate- further later whenever this podcast goes out you can find the link um everywhere i'm sure as on just giving um wtf1 on there but we will post the links uh where we can in whichever platform you are listening and watching uh so that is it the longest podcast we've ever done by an absolute substantial margin katie has no idea what i'm saying at this point so that's quite funny actually that she's just kind of sitting there sort of oh what's matt saying oh look at this oh i'm washed oh yeah i wear reindeer antlers i'm so christmasy um so yeah there you go uh tommy's muted as well oh, so it's literally say, just the nervous talking. the nervous look in katie's face is priceless right now oh, it's amazing uh so thank you everybody for watching and listening to <laughs> this podcast um and thank you so much for the support over the course of the whole year I literally had absolutely no idea what you're amazing time bringing you this podcast so thank you so i'm scared <laughs> i'm hiccuping now thank you so much uh for for tuning into all of our podcasts hashtag wtf1 podcast if you want to get involved in the discussion follow us on twitch wtf1 official and we'll see you very soon for another podcast lots of love bye 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 wave bye. katie there we go well done <laughs>